0: probably did hate mail, and we thought it was hate at the time, because these guys are trying to take away our dreams.
1: The Football Pod, live. Thursday, June 2nd, in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events, and get your tickets now.
0: You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
1: OTBAN's performance rankings, with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances, with just lack that intensity.
0: Okay, this week, as every week, we give you the opportunity to um, enter a competition and to give us your views. I think many people have many views at the moment. I think, Owen, you've done a reasonable job this week of trying to capture
1: one of the wildest sporting weekends that I can remember. It was pretty busy, to say the least. There's uh, a couple of moments, I think, that probably punctuated the whole thing, from uh, dairy yesterday to... The scenes of Ronan O'Gara and his La Rochelle team celebrating on Saturday to, of course, uh, the match and all the scenes around the match in Paris on Saturday night. And you were on the ground in Paris on Saturday night. So I think that is the only place to start Paris in general as an event. Ger, fair to say that this? this is bottom, rock bottom in the reddest of the red of our Gillette Labs performance rankings this morning. Yeah,
0: very, 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 very lucky that something incredibly serious didn't happen at a couple of different points. There could have been some very serious unrest uh, in advance of the game, and then afterwards, it felt like, uh, "Oof, this is one of the worst stewarded events that you're ever going to see." There was like a potential for multiple crushes um, pre-game and post-game. Uh, the pre-game stuff, I, I kind of didn't see most of the, the pre-game stuff, and I ended up having to walk around. To get my accreditation, but because of the way my accreditation was, I didn't have a ticket, and I managed to get like all the way to the stadium and to uh, walk past anybody looking for tickets, any of the uh, police looking for tickets. So that'll give you a sense of how easy it was to access the area. And so, therefore, loads of people who didn't have tickets were there, um, but I would hasten to add that uh, did feel like they were locals as opposed to uh, fans of any team. In fact, they were absolutely locals. Um, so that that kind of added to the tension pre-game then when the game was delayed obviously it seems like most fans managed to get their seats there's definitely stories of people who are so concerned about the pre-game that they decided not to go in and then afterwards like afterwards it was just bizarre I was waiting to meet somebody uh, and kind of there's one area where you all get funneled down towards the train station so you'd think this is going to be well marshalled because it's where everybody's going everybody's going to the train station and um, at one stage while I was waiting there out of nowhere it seemed riot police formed this kind of cordon to prevent people getting through uh, which was like where they had been told to go and then all of a sudden everybody turned around and started kind of coughing and heaving and it was like what's going on oh what what like there was no scenes of violence there was nothing no one had caused any trouble and for like pure, it seemed pure crowd control. They had decided that the way they were going to control the crowd to go in a different direction from where they were supposed to be going was by pepper spraying them.
1: Well, so it was pepper spray, and you, well, you felt some,
0: it. I saw somebody else say that they they saw a canister; they got hit in the and the leg with a canister. So there, there must have been some tear gas as well. But um, this felt like pepper spray. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like you couldn't you couldn't not get it. Um, What's that like? I mean, it's it's very unpleasant. It's not like uh, I was tear gas once before, and that was horrific. But uh, this was um, this was uh, it, it, and it dispersed pretty quickly. So it, afterwards, you see the, the scenes of them with like the small ones, kind of like mosquito spray, like and like we're little mosquitoes to be sprayed, little ants that were the French cops. The French cops made a bollocks of it. Basically, that's the long and the short of it. And they can have all of the investigations they want, but ultimately. The red herrings of the some people showing videos of uh, people climbing over stuff. Like, at every big sports event, there are going to be some blaggers trying to get in. But you know this in advance because you've run sports events before. But what happened here was the French police made an absolute bollocks of it. And then UEFA came along and were like, oh, oh, uh, Liverpool? Let's blame the Liverpool fans. Uh, that's what's going to happen here. But it's not. it's not going to wash, like...
1: No, I think if there's one fan base in the world that it's not going to wash with as well, it's, it's probably Liverpool fans. And I think it's gone down pretty terribly so far, what UEFA have tried to do. Like, so from your perspective, the fact that you had accreditation as opposed to a spectator's ticket, that probably made your experience beforehand a lot more pleasant. I should say, did it? Because you kind of had more access to different areas or you could maybe avoid certain bottlenecks whereas well, a ticket holder you're kind of stuck with one entrance or, or what was that like?
0: At the end, yeah, eventually. But uh, to get to get to where the accreditation centre was I'd come up from the train station and ended up doing a, a kind of lap and you could see, like, uh, you know, I saw um, in Rob Draper's brilliant uh, uh, Twitter thread he was talking about the, like there was huge uh, sponsor signs being held up and then all these people in their, suits who were like pro- the Prince sandwich brigade and they were all hemmed in I was like this is very interesting I mean they have all paid a lot of money for these um, uh, corporate tickets and they're not getting in like uh, and it, it did take ages to get from the train station to the ground so you were definitely feeling okay I've got about an hour
1: here before kickoff is scheduled so you, uh, you were there an hour before kick off. Yeah, because I would I would have thought that you'd needed to be in there a lot earlier than that to have actually got in on time. It seemed because uh, was- so, by the time we got to the ground, because everything had slowed down at that
0: point, uh, it was still an hour before. Okay. okay. Um, and like I, you could wander around if you were just on your own or around the back of the stuff, and uh, ultimately but it was actually after the mass that I felt the most hairy uh, because after we got through that uh, bottleneck where. Um, so the cops tear gassed people to or whatever it was to slow them down after you got down there there was this kind of very slow moving march which kind of it cleared a little bit and then there was the local youth uh, waiting for uh, I got pickpocketed on the way in actually that was the other thing that happened what, what was taken? nothing in the end because like I, I grabbed the hands. so you uh,
1: saw the guy doing it
0: oh totally yeah yeah um, he just kind of was like what you no uh,
1: you, know, what's I exactly could, you you're not, just not gonna let me pocket, pickpocket pick you? you exactly
0: you you could see though that like um because there was no there, there was no cordon, anybody who wanted to do anything could come in, and most people had their tickets on their phones and so therefore phones were high currency, and so you know you can see how uh if you were of a mind to try and get a a fan who's in a tight area that you could easily kind of bump, bump, bump up against um so all in all, you would say it was one of the worst organised sports events. Well done, Paris.
1: And just one last thing on the, um, the, the gang of youths. That oh, on the way back, yes. You, way you, back. Kinda, you have to You get kind of funnel past them. Uh, so it's like, you know,
0: you've relatively easy pickings. Um, at that point, you're getting down to the train station, right? And then all of a sudden, the queues start again. And the train station, it, the queue stops at the train station. And you're like, we're going underground here. The only thing relieving the queues at that point are... The trains coming, so you're relying on the trains as this as this uh, pressure valve. And if the pressure valve gets delayed or something happens, nothing's going to stop it. The, the people are going to keep coming behind you. So
1: that's terrifying.
0: That's well, a, you're you're desperately trying not to think. Well, this isn't very good, is it? I mean, this could go. This could go pressure pretty quickly, couldn't it? So there, there were loads of police, but they were standing around at one stage, kind of doing nothing, and like. Right. They were. They looked like they were riot police who were really only there to, um, you know, deal with whatever riot they had predicted, as opposed to stewarding police who were like, "Okay, you're going here, you're going here, you're going to city centre, you're going it." You know, like there was no sense of that. And it, like,
1: is there? Is there, I wonder what, what happened. Like, how 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 did this actually like occur? Given, as you say, the amount of times that Saint Denis has actually hosted massive sporting events, conclusions to massive tournaments. Have taken place there. It just makes you like. I mean, f- first thing that kind of popped into my head was like the, the fact that they got the final leish contribute to this. Like, the, the, is, is, it a, is it a very you French you, thing to be you, like, oh, we're not we're not working with two months' notice or whatever? Or no, you, you can't you, no because like uh, again to go
0: back to Rob Draper's thing, like he he was talking about there was one specific area where three vans have been parked to, to make everything narrow, but that seemed to be the the situation. So we had a friend uh, who went to the game and. Uh, like that had had ended up kind of the whole crowd had been funneled into like one of those tiny little corridors you know in, in in all the stadiums there's this kind of when you're going up the stairs like the stairs are kind of narrow but if everybody was going through the same stairs at the same time for all of the outside area where they were going to sit you know so say you took Croke Park or the Aviva um particularly the Aviva if there's you know you're going down the stairs after the match If everybody was going down the same stairs and that was the only access uh, or egress areas that people had, that's kind of what it felt like. It was like, we're going to funnel everybody in here. And the other thing is, if there's nobody telling you where to go, you're like, uh, everybody just follows the crowd because that's what happens. And so, again, there's nobody either side saying, "Okay, this is grand. You're going to be here. No, you need to go there. There was no sense of it being... Managed the notion that they didn't have enough time for it—that's nonsensical, I think. Like, and if they if they're going to use that as some kind of defence, it's like, well, then you can never have anything again. Thanks very much. The trouble with that is, of course, that like what happened at Wembley reflects horribly on uh, England's ability and the English FA's ability and the metropolitan police or whichever police force they had running that, but they're, they're getting stuff again and they're like, oh, that's nothing to do with those, that was just those crazy fans on cocaine. Now you can't be blaming the fans on cocaine because actually it wasn't them, it's the police and it's like oh, ma- maybe everybody's just forgotten how to steward big events in the aftermath of COVID. I don't know, but uh, it did feel like it could have got pretty hairy pretty quickly. And the thing is, if it had got hairy, what were they going to do? Well, Like, what's the contingency plan? What's the relief? How do you do you just
1: bring everybody into the train stations and let them like walk on the tracks? I don't know. Um. The the fan park stuff is pretty grim as well, and in, in many ways even even more grim. Like the the, the scenes from uh, obviously Paris in the city, and that that, that fan park that got tear gassed. Um, was I didn't was, see that horrendous so like a friend of mine was in the uh, the fan park in Paris didn't bother going to the game uh, like I went nowhere near Saint-Denis and the situation was that at full time there were people trying to maybe go out an the to gun out or trying to get, find uh, a, a spot in the fence to get out basically trying to, to not go the way that the French authorities told them and the French police's response was tear gas like indiscriminate tear gas Videos of people of all ages uh, covering their eyes uh, with, with what was being thrown at them and then obviously you have that situation outside an Irish pub in the Paris city. the The French police were on one on Saturday night it's
0: they easy. were they were absolutely on one uh, they'd all obviously been watching Laine and taking their uh, lead from history. I mean they were like stereotypical French police that's you know they behaved the way I expect the French police to behave. Hardcore shit kickers with no real regard for anybody's enjoyment of the event. That's basically what happened. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Rugby World Cup. Really can't wait to see how France manages to steward the Rugby World Cup. You wouldn't have got that in Breffni Park. Uh, You probably wouldn't. Connor Moore was at the game. Um, You know him as Connor Sketches, but he was on speaking with John Malloy yesterday, and and his experience sounded absolutely horrific. They were there really early. They had six tickets. Uh, They'd bought the same tickets together and uh, one of them, they're like, oh, this is a fake ticket. And it's like, what? They're all the same. And, but eventually, a steward let them in because they were like, we have the six tickets here. They're, they're clearly in sequence. It's not. But loads of people wouldn't have had that. And loads of people actually weren't even given the opportunity to explain, no, no, hang on, this is true. Andy Robertson was saying that um, some of his mates were like, no, that's a fake ticket. And i, like, I got, like, I got it from Andy Robertson, mm. you know? Uh, like, by all accounts, too, the tickets are easily... Uh, copyable so I don't know I mean so UEFA have to take a portion of the blame Definitely. and the French police have to take a portion of the blame and uh, it, given that it's UEFA's gig it's their party they're the ones hosting it you would expect that they know a thing or two about hosting these at this stage like it is
1: literally the biggest game in world football what was it like being in the UEFA party when you when you eventually get in the bouncer says yes tonight is your night man Um, I, I like the Real Madrid fans are amazing Um uh, you know they—they they
0: absolutely were, they were on one, and they were absolutely enjoying what was going on. Because uh, the longer the match went down without a goal, the more tense it felt like the Liverpool fans got.
1: Um, and then all their worst fears are uh, come true. Uh, the, like I mean, so from from being inside the stadium, any any other nuggets from what happened to Liverpool, or they just got absolutely Ancelotti? Is that what happened? it seems that way
0: yeah I mean there's been not that much analysis of the football because of what happened so uh, you'd, you'd hope that I mean I presume uh, Klopp and everybody else but you'd hope that they, they try and absorb some of the lessons of the smash and grab I see Michael Owens getting murdered for saying that oh they're still the best team in Europe he's like you'd have to say I mean they might still be the best team in Europe I don't know but uh, you know it's Real Madrid who have once again won the European Cup despite not being the best team in Europe so fair play to them because that's all that matters. And I, I, I say that in like the most glowing terms. Uh, well done. We should all be taking a leaf from the most successful team in the history of world
1: football. Mm. Yeah, like, it's, and like some of the individual collections of Champions League trophies in that Real Madrid squad is is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like, I mean, uh, Mike Lowen saying that a team can beat a team that they're not necessarily better than is not exactly rocket science. It doesn't necessarily prove that but I think really it's just the, the, you talk about running the gauntlet outside the stadium I mean Real Madrid ran the competitive gauntlet all all season long and uh, took the very very hard path to the final like listening to Klopp afterwards was, was interesting that he was saying the Madrid are incredible the, posi- the possession was 50% but we had more shots more shots on target but the most decisive one they had they scored and we did not it's the most simple explanation in football he, he was then saying I think Real Madrid shot once and scored a goal I respect them competitively whatever you do within the rules it's fine We've had to defend ourselves on many occasions and uh, I think maybe he's just a little bit upset with how Real Madrid set up but gave them plenty of credit as well, lots of respect for himself and Ancelotti at full-time and uh, we've seen this in the the last couple of weeks with Klopp as well when uh, things don't go Liverpool's way, he's not overly happy which uh, again isn't exactly uh, a completely non-understandable reaction when your team has lost such a massive game. Actually one of the more interesting things afterwards was um, Tony Cruz getting really pissed off with German TV. I, I, I saw Cruz, I didn't hear what the question, what the crappy question was. The question was essentially, it uh, r- r- was giving Liverpool credit and ha- um, the, the plan to keep them out. I, I don't have it in front of me here, but he, uh, he said he would 90 minutes to come up with uh, two shit questions. And uh, walked away from the interviewer. Has another pop off him again when he's walking past. I think there's probably a bit of a pent up frustration. Maybe German coverage of football and is it overly negative? Potentially, I don't know. But it seemed that there was a bit of uh, beef there between Cruz, not necessarily in the reporter, but just uh, I, th- I think it was kind of predictable potentially from his perspective. Two negative questions. He said he can tell right away that you're German. He said, "Yeah." So uh, well, it turns out every every footballer in every part of the
0: world is subjected to the same thing. And maybe that's what makes him uh, such a great footballer no, potentially w-
1: w- anyone in the flesh that stood out
0: uh well, Courtois is pretty good at football um I, the, the the Real Madrid ability to always be in position and to like manage to thwart the team who seem to be far superior to them that is quite impressive. yeah, and Trent, like Trent's very good this uh this let's scapegoat Trent I'm not down with that. Like Liverpool are not Liverpool without Trent, and so therefore, you just have to realise that that's not going to be um, not going to be possible. Kanata played very well. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was a, like very high end football. The uh, Mo Salah killing the ball with you
1: know at pace wherever however it comes to him uh, is also very impressive. Um, were you singing your own team? Team songs when Camilla Cabello was singing no you weren't singing an Aston Villa song no in the dressing room why are you supposed to she wasn't happy she deleted a tweet she said playing back our performance and I can't believe people were singing their team's anthem so loud during our performance like my team and I worked tirelessly for so long to bring right vibes and give a good show yeah were the vibes right no because
0: everybody is like why is the game delayed what's going on how did that happen and so everybody's immediately on social media going oh hang on a second what's happening what are they doing the cops are what Oh, this doesn't sound good. Because, um, you know, in the stadium, when you're not watching the TV, it's very hard for you to know exactly what's going on. Although, apparently, according to Gary Neville, BT's coverage is crap. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. you see this? I actually didn't see Gary Neville's tweet. Uh, I didn't see it. I just read about it in the back of the Telegraph. Uh, I mean, in fairness to the Telegraph, they're using it as another opportunity to uh, kick Jay Comfries, which, you know, on this show. Uh, Alan Tyres is the man you want to read this morning. Um, in one of those inspirational interviews he's fond of Humphrey once attributed his career success to never sitting in a comfy chair perhaps when occasions demand football broadcasters need to get off the soft furnishings and out into the hard world of actual events Uh, Gary Neville Adam Crofton said surprised BT Sport don't have a team on standby outside of stadium getting little to no sense of the major story from the broadcaster and Gary Neville replied are you surprised I'm not they can't react or aren't agile to things like this happening Right, shots so bad. Um,
1: yeah, in fairness, Sky do have a news team who were covered it and covered it really well. Yeah, so that was uh, the Champions League final. All of it, uh, I guess, this morning in, in the red. One of the worst sporting events ever. Don't go to the Champions League final, says Jerry Gilroy. Provinces are next up in the amber this morning because, in fairness, there was a bit of glory yesterday from a neutral standpoint. That pitch invasion... In Clonus, seeing the scenes with Derry, winning their first Ulster Championship in 28 years. Connors' final was a, a decent game as well. You had two teams of a, of a similar standard going up against one another. But I think if we were talking about this on Saturday night, the provincial football situation would be rock bottom. It would be in the, the reddest of the reds. Um, but I think what happened yesterday kind of kind of brought it out of, out of its slumber. How much of Kildare Dublin did you get to see on Saturday? I, I chose uh, to. This game didn't happen at
0: the weekend. It got cancelled. I heard some something about uh, not enough people showing up, and so therefore they
1: decided that they weren't going to play the game. Did, did am I wrong? Uh, no, that's exactly what happened. That's they just gave the, the cup to James McCarthy and they moved on. He he was seemed very thrilled to uh, be receiving said cup as well. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. Um, the like uh, obviously it's it's very very predictable. I mean. To, to a degree there, there was definitely talk this year that maybe Leinster could have been competitive and it wasn't there was talk during the week that this game could have been predictable or could have been competitive rather and it wasn't so is it was it, was it overly predictable that this was going to happen to Dublin like I definitely had a hunch on Saturday afternoon that Dublin were going to kill him that was just kind of like a you mag- did
0: you stuck it in the WhatsApp group yeah I think I, all week long I was definitely trying to not get too carried away and didn't get too carried away but you're still hopeful that something is going to happen like uh, what I had hoped was that the vanilla defence that Kildare had been playing in the league and in the championship to date was somehow not putting something on tape for your opposition, but actually it turned out what it was the absence of a proper defensive strategy. And uh, against the Dubs, that might be a bit of a problem. Particularly this form of the Dublin team, which are like, in the cycle where they're trying to be explosive and because they, their own defence is not great at the moment, they realise they're going to have to score massive scores to win matches against good teams and they have the players to do that. So, Dublin, good to football. The provincial championships are a complete joke and need to be put out of their misery. But what's worse is we're going to get the Pigs Mickey next year of the Round Robins. As, as somebody reminded, was it somebody on the on uh, Late Night ga? last night was like there's going to be a situation where the round robins uh, where the round robins happen and then one of the four teams gets eliminated. Yeah. Like what? What are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we keeping these? I didn't see what the attendance figure was. Was it published? I'm not
1: sure what what there was at Dublin Kildare.
0: But it It wasn't just Dublin Kildare. It was Dublin Mead and the women's football. Yeah. And the Mead footballers are bringing about 10,000 to matches. Yeah, true. So, I would say the Meade footballers, women's footballers, are potentially the biggest draw in Leinster football at the moment. Hannah Terrell scored a late goal, Dublin won. That rivalry is going to explode. Hopefully they'll play a game later on in the year, maybe in the Ireland final. Like, that's now the biggest game in Leinster football. But nobody, it seems, in Leinster football cared enough to advocate for something better. So they can all.
1: Yeah, well, like, what's, what's interesting is that the two, obviously, the two most depressing sporting events from the weekend were probably the Leinster men's senior football final and the Munster men's senior football final. And, like, we've, we've spoken about this so much in the past where nobody's getting anything out of this. Like, the, the, the players aren't getting anything out of this, and that includes the Dublin and Kerry players. I think Brian Fenton was on the record last year as saying that Proposal B would have been a positive step. Declan Darcy was on the show saying proposal B would have been a positive step. We know for a fact that we don't know what Dublin voted on the day. There's a suggestion that maybe they were anti-proposal B. They definitely didn't come out in favour of proposal B. No, they, they, they never they lobbied for
0: it once. They never publicly said, we think this is a great idea. Actually, it's going to benefit us in the long run. And doing the numbers, it seems like they may well have voted against it. We can't... Yes. We can't
1: Say for sure, but and the same goes for Kerry. And in actual fact, what you had, what, what you can go on, are the, the public pronouncements that were made around it. And again, Kerry didn't come out in favour of this thing at the time. Even though we know that people coming out in favour would have made a difference, would have re- really made a positive difference. And Kerry, instead, on the day of the vote, their chairman got up and said, "We need a road show to bring this thing and lobby opinion around the country because they just hadn't done their research. More more
0: time. We need more time to talk about this. We've only had uh, since 1884 to
1: look at the provincial system, but we, we definitely need more time and I think that kind of spoke to to, to Kerry and Dublin, both pussyfooting around the opportunity for change. So they've done their players a disservice, I think, because I really don't think the Dublin and Kerry players benefit from this whatsoever. Their careers are wasting away in provincial championships at the moment, and they've pretty much thanked their county boards for that. But at this point, what is absolutely crazy is that even the provincial councils aren't benefiting from this. 14,500 people show up to Killarney, on Saturday an absolutely glorious afternoon and 14,500 people show up for a Munster final I know well in fairness now they were charging 40 euro for a stand ticket uh, for Killarney on Saturday so maybe they will actually make a a hell of a profit off what's going on because the tickets are are so expensive but it seems to me that even the coffers are going to speak for themselves uh, uh, one way or another eventually and that the provincial councils will surely realise that what they're uh, trying to produce here is absolutely pointless we obviously heard they don't care they don't care. No, and we got the evidence that evidence has been before their eyes for the best part of a decade, and they don't care. And I think that probably the evidence was before everybody's eyes last year when the provincial uh, officials were on the record in a multitude of different places talking about uh, their views of, of change. And, you know, Turkey's voting for Christmas and, you know, change of Brexit proportions... And, um, like, potential disaster talk about what would have happened with change. They managed to keep the status quo, and probably more worryingly, they've managed to usher through change that or something that masquerades has change for next year that might keep their house in order and keep their uh, their power base strong. And once again, we'll probably have a month or two of time wasted early next year when it could be much better spent and these players could be much better served, the fans could be much better served, and the sport could be much better served.
0: We're stuck now with the with the Pigs mickey for the next three or four years because it'll be like, oh, we can't go back to that. We have to see how it goes. We have to wait and see what the impact of this is because there's no evidence. And it's like, okay, well, we, we really know We've actually built in the failure of this structure for the next uh, number of years before we're going to be able to go back again and go, okay, okay, please, please, let's just have a proper league based system with three or four tiers, ideally four, and away we go. Like the game, notwithstanding all of the criticism uh, of the Ulster football final, the game is actually in a much better place than it has ever been. Uh, with regards to the skills, the, the tactical and technical ability and the proficiency of the players. Like, anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, let's move on to the Greens. Uh, we've left probably like 30 seconds for some uh, dose of positivity for your Monday morning. Um, Nottingham Forest, uh, which is uh, an extra R extra in there for a good measure. Uh, their 23-year exile is, is over from the... Uh, The top flight. Um, Steve Cooper's done an incredible job here, won the playoff final yesterday. They made their worst start to a season for 108 years at the beginning of the season. Then they get rid of Chris Houghton. Steve Cooper comes in, the 14th manager they'd appointed since 2011. And uh, apart from one week spent in the top six in February, they didn't get into the playoff places until April. So they were the form team in the division coming into the playoffs. They, They timed their run to perfection. And maybe we should have paid a little bit more attention to their cup run, you know, beating Arsenal and then Leicester and then that one hill defeat to Liverpool. It was it was a pretty excellent run. Obviously you've got Stephen Reid involved in the setup there. He's been I think to Wimbledon, I think, a couple of weeks ago I saw that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. You'd imagine he'll, he'll hang on and see where this, this Premier League journey goes for Nottingham Forest. But just a fantastic uh, storyline to have back in the Premier League. Leeds getting promoted a few seasons ago, Nottingham Forest back in there. You're, you've got a very, very good collection of, of 20 teams in the Premier League next season with, with plenty of narrative. And then at the top of our performance rankings this morning is, of course, uh, Ronan O'Gara. Uh, Kevin has been in touch to say, egg on the face... Day, Jer ah oh, and it's just been deleted. Again the face, Day, Ger and all the OTB crew. Tip Leinster, none of you gave o- O'Gara team a chance. Kevin, of course, I presume, predicted La Rochelle to overturn the 12-point underdog tag that they had. Uh, Dave says, lads, I warned you about hubris. You might as well write the opposition team talk for them. And yeah, I mean, I, I predicted Leinster would win comfortably on, on Friday. I definitely... Uh, Bought all the hype around this so it's interesting to, to see what the verdict will be on this obviously the La Rochelle game plan was close to perfect it seems and I think that listening to Ronald O'Gara's post-match comments on BT on Saturday they were very very interesting he said that he spotted nuggets in the Connacht game in the Leicester game and they utilised those to, to, to or he said he had stuff to work on basically with, with those sort of nuggets that he got and it clearly manifested itself in a brilliant brilliant game plan and he was also very interested in talking about the end of the game, where he thought that Leinster could be hurt in the last twenty minutes, that Leinster kill a team come half time, and if you can hang in there at half time and still be in the mix, you have got a very very good chance. And I think he was pretty happy with the scoreline at half time. Like the fact is, though, Leinster were up by eight points, and they were favourites before the game, and they they were on paper it seemed anyway the, the better team. Maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe we, we just totally misinterpreted this matchup completely. Maybe the bookies got it spectacularly wrong. With, uh, with a 12-point favourites tag beforehand. Or maybe Leinster, with an 8-point lead coming down the home stretch, should have done more, be- uh, a lot better. And maybe they just completely bottled this on Saturday evening. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, the truth is. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably get to the bottom of it as as the week goes on.
0: Yeah, we're going to speak to Alan Quinlan in just a little while. I'd love to hear from the Leinster fans and supporters what they think, as opposed to the goading Munster fans. In fairness, goading Munster fans, today is your day. You, you, this is actually probably going to be your week. And... Um, who knows what the rest of the season is going to hold. It has the potential to go juddering off the tracks for uh, Leinster at this point, but um, I don't know. I, I also don't know. Sometimes you get beaten in the final by uh, a an, an fairly amazing cup team who clearly have uh, a bit of a maverick genius in charge. And um, does that mean that they didn't bottle it? Or does that mean that they did? I don't know, like you, um I do I do know that uh, there's no excuses. Like they can't have any excuse about what happened. I mean, I know I see them kind of complaining a little bit about the refereeing, but like um you know, you've got the best team in Europe you, by all the stats, by all of the all of the available metrics that we have to analyze the match pre-match, you are the best team in Europe and um you put yourself in a position to deliver and then you don't deliver. That
1: is the ultimate kick in the teeth. Mm. That, that, and that is really interesting because you talk about the stats there. That was one of the, the big storylines going into this game. Is that when he looked at all the metrics that seemed to matter, it put lens on a pedestal above every other team in Europe. And then he listened to O'Gara afterwards, and it seemed that his game plan was quite an analytical one, that it was based in numbers. So I'm not sure that, that he just kind of interpreted the data a little bit differently or. Or or what it was, but it seems it seems very very interesting. Some something happened in, in their pre-match analysis, and like uh, he gave Dunne Karim plenty of credit in terms of what what he was saying in his temporary French to the pack as well in the build-up to the week. And that pack obviously was was always going to be a weapon that if Skelton was fit, could have been something that that was going to hurt Leinster, and as it proved, the the, the, the winning try uh, was was exactly from a uh, ro- ball up the jumper sort of ropey.
0: When. Um when you saw the team being named and Skelton in it, did you um, feel a little bit like the morning where Joe Canning told you he wasn't going to retire and then uh, <laughs> half an hour later he retired? Was it exactly the same as that when uh, you had O'Gara on the show last week? I wasn't here. You had O'Gara on the show and you're like,
1: oh, Skelton's playing. No, no probably not. Actually, no, yeah, you we should, we should clip that actually. Yeah, I, think, I think it was Adrian who asked him, is Skelton going to play? And he's like, no. Well, in fairness, and he would go on to say that there is, there, there is always so a chance. chance.
0: I've told him to basically take the rest of the year off. <laughs> I will yeah. see
1: you next season well, for preseason. Well, it shouldn't, uh, or it wasn't the, the talk of Leinster that uh, that whole vulnerability to power had been corrected. That it doesn't <laughs> matter. You could have uh, eight Will skeletons in that pack, and it wasn't going to matter a jot because this Leinster team this season. Was uh, was a new Leinster, and they'd managed to get over the lessons of the Saracens games and the, the La Rochelle game, and they were back with a, a back and burlier than ever. I think was the Leinster tagline, wasn't it?
0: John says, "Thanks to Rog for giving every coach who will play Ireland the blueprint to stop them playing." Yeah, thanks, Rog. Is basically the uh, some of the Leinster fans. I think um, you know uh, it's fairly like that's how that's how rugby works. Isn't it better that we learn this now as opposed to in the group stages? of the Rugby World Cup next year OTBIM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your date we always uh, on Sunday into Monday give you the opportunity to win a Gillette Labs shaving kit to be with the chance of winning let us know who you think should make the performance rankings the best place to enter is um, uh, today on the YouTube or you can uh, tweet us at OffTheBall and um, yeah we'll read out the rest of your entries over the course of the rest of the show this morning that is this week's performance rankings OTBAN's performance rankings with
1: Gilles